Hey guys, welcome back to Outnumber the Podcast. Today we are on episode 42 and we are so excited to hear from a f- wonderful friend and amazing mom mentor, Andy Martineau. She is going to talk to you guys about her tips and tricks for coaching moms and how to stop the yelling and improve the connection. I cannot wait for you guys to hear from her. Hello and welcome to Outnumber the Podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey, and we're homeschooling moms to a combined total of 18 children. We know firsthand that motherhood is full of crazy chaos and overwhelming obligations, but it should also be full of love and laughter. Regardless of where you are on your journey, come join us as we work together to find joy in the chaos of motherhood. Welcome back to the podcast. We are on episode number 42, and we are so excited to welcome my friend Andy Martineau to the show today. And Andy, thank you so much for joining. Oh, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about all things mom today with you guys. My favorite topics. Yeah. Ours too. Yes. We are so excited to have you. Yeah, totally. Okay. So I'm just going to give a quick little background as to how I met Andy, um, and then we'll let her give us some awesome info. So um, Andy was a homeschooling mom. When I first started homeschooling, gosh, I don't know when I first met you, maybe like eight years ago or something. And um, at the time, I was brand new to having kids out of the public school system. I was terrified and also super excited. And Andy hosted this fun little um, play date thing at her big, beautiful house. And so we would drive out there and let my kids run around her. What did you have, like three acres or something? Yeah, like three and a half acres. And so um, the kids would just run around and have so much fun. And I would just sit and listen to what all these super amazing experienced moms had to say. And I'd go, oh, someday my kids are going to turn out like their kids and it's going to be okay. You know, kind of talking myself off a ledge. So I have really fond memories of those first few years of homeschooling because of you and so many awesome moms that I got to learn from. So oh, that's, that's awesome. how I know yeah, Andy. I think about that all the time. It was such a fun, such a fun time, right? To all be learning together. It's awesome. Yes, yes. So Andy is the mom that you talk about, the one who you decided that homeschooling might be okay by looking at her and her kids. (laughs) Yes, she had had normal kids. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I know that's one of the things we get worried about with homeschooling, right, is that our kids are going to like completely turn out socially, you know, inept. But yeah. Yeah. And and they might, but it won't no, be homeschooling. No, <laughs> it'll just probably just be fact, them. <laughs> yeah, who, who the yeah mm. just happens. We don't get to control that. But homeschooling doesn't necessarily cause that. Right. True. Oh <laughs> uh, well, yeah. We're so excited to hear what you have to say today, Andy. But we were wanting to ask you. We like to start off with some humor. So, do you have something funny that you or your kids have done that you can share with us? Yeah, you know, it's so funny you asked, and I. This is just something that happened most recently. I could go back and bring up, we could talk a whole episode probably about all of the funny things our kids have done or we've done. But, um, my son, he's almost 16 and he was over at a friend's house. Most of Saturday, we kept chatting. Anyway, all of the sudden I get, he comes home. Actually, I, I will, I get word that his, that one of the little sisters has permed her hair. And all of a sudden it's so funny just because of his personality. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's totally going to perm his hair. Granted, he has like beautiful curly hair. Like it's curly and cute. Like it's really cute hair. He comes home though. And I'm like, he walks in the door. He's like, look what I did. I'm like, yeah, you totally permed your hair. Like Napoleon, he looks like Napoleon Dynamite, like that afro. <laughs> and I'm like, and it's, you know, it's just hilarious. So I don't know, dumb things. He's been like trying, he's washed it like 12 times now and he's going to go swimming and, and try to get the Corey to bring it out because he's like, 
like, this is not what I thought. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Was it not I, as anticipated? Know, he totally was a little freaked, freaked out. out about it. And I guess perms are back in, you guys. Did you know that? Perms are in. I can't even believe it. Like, it's like the 80s That's so wrong. coming back and it's it's just, it's making me go crazy. <laughs> but I guess perms are in, but he the thing is he had... Yeah, he had great curly, it, it, like a nice loose curl before. Yeah, it, it did not turn out the way. So I told him he should just dress up as Napoleon Dynamite and just go with it. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, we're, we're right almost now, at said, Halloween. Just get That'd a be friend perfect. to be Pedro and someone else to be Deb, and you'll be quite the trio. And he's just kind of, he's just kind of horrified. He's like, no, what I need, mom, is lots of loose. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, I do have some moose he can try. So I don't know. That's a recent thing. He doesn't like his hair short either. So I don't think he'll cut it all off. So we're just going to live live with this fro. And that's totally fine. But I think it's fun okay. to kids do their thing, right? And just be like. Yeah, what a great lesson. That, and I'm sure you're going to talk about this, about kids just yeah. facing their own This is a pretty minor one, you know? You know? Like hair is, hair is not a big deal. Yeah, so. in the grand scheme of things. Totally. I love it. But I have to say, aren't aren't teenage boys just so much fun? I mean, seriously. Oh my gosh, they're they're more fun than I ever. That he's my well, no, no. I have all, all three of my boys. My oldest is twenty now, but so he's not a teenager, I guess technically. But I have he's he's almost sixteen, and I have fourteen year old. They're so fun. Oh my gosh, they're so fun. He's like drops and does push ups all the time. He's always like, I mean, it's just like a totally fun d- dynamic. I love it. I love teenage boys. Yeah, we have an episode. Actually, our episode after your episode is coming up. It's about raising boys, and I, oh man, Bonnie and I—we just love boys. They are, they are yeah, so they are so fun. <laughs> we'll see how the teenage girls go. We haven't I've gotten done that, there yet. I've I'm, done a little, that I'm a little terrified. Too, so yeah, it's different. It's totally different. Okay, so we are going to move on to just learn a little bit about you, Andy. So can you tell us a little bit about you, your family, and just a few words about what you do as coach? Yeah. So I've been married to my husband 22 years. It's so crazy. And we have six kids. My oldest is 20 and I have all the way down to an 11 year old, three girls, three boys. So, and like you said, I homeschooled for 10 years. This is um, only their second year back at public school, which has been, oh my gosh, <laughs> a totally different adventure. Um, and <laughs> just kind of like went through, and I know you guys both have lots of kids and can totally relate and probably I'm sure people listening can too, but just the, the realities of like when you have all those little kids at home and you're kind of just totally outnumbered, you're totally like at a loss, you're overwhelmed, like all of that. I have lived that and, um, and really wouldn't change anything except for maybe wishing I'd learned some things maybe a little sooner. That would have been really fun, <laughs> but it's been a super fun adventure and it's crazy to think that I'm at this, this place now, but yeah, I love it all of it. Give us a little glimpse into what this coaching thing is and what that, what that looks like. Yeah. The coaching thing, um, came, well, it's about, I coach moms and the reason I started, I didn't ever, like, I never thought if you had asked me like three years ago, if I would have been doing this, I would have like laughed and be like, what are you talking about? I'm never going to do that. But, um, it just kind of evolved. It's been like the most I don't know. It's been really, really cool to watch how it happens, but how it has happened rather. But um, now I help moms really learn the difference between corrective parenting and connective parenting, which isn't something I went and necessarily got 
clear on or got like a certification on or anything. In fact, I hadn't heard those two terms when it started like coming to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's connective parenting. That's what it's about. But it just, it evolved and um, really just came about really organically. I got trained to be a life coach and thought I was just going to use it mostly just on myself, like use the training to like really get really good on like just showing up the way I wanted to with myself. But then I started realizing, oh my gosh, this is, this is so applicable to so many things. We have a really interesting, like sorted homeschooling adventure. That's super fun, but really non-traditional even for homeschooling. And some of my kids started like doing crazy things, like practicing piano and playing with concertos and doing crazy things. And some moms started coming to me and being like, what are you doing? I can't even get my teenager to like make their bed. (laughs) But your teenagers are like practicing piano and doing all these other things. And they knew I couldn't force them to do it. So it made me start to like pause for the first time, kind of after being in the rush of being a mom for, you know, 15, well, probably at the time it was like 16 years because my oldest was about 16 and like, starting to like pull it apart. So that was when I started to like inspect, like what was going on, what had happened, what was working, what wasn't working and starting like getting really, well, I'd always been intentional about studying parenting. That was like always a passion of mine, but like getting clear, like what, what, what is it that's worked, you know, what's not. And then I got life trained to be a life coach. And so the two just like blended together. Cause once I learned, studied like, or got more clear rather about like the connective parenting framework that just was so clear to me that that's what had happened over the last, you know, 16 years where I had kind of come from corrective base to connective base. And then I saw the tools and how the life coaching tools like helped bridge some of the gaps and fill in some of the holes. I was like, this is so brilliant. And so then I started sharing it with people and got some more certifications and got more clarity and it's just kind of evolved off, off of that. And now here I am. I can't even, it's like the craziest I would have thought I would still be homeschooling, but now my kids are at school and I'm coaching moms. So it's been this really crazy, (laughs) crazy adventure, but super fun. Yeah, that is, that is so cool. I love that you started when you already had 16 years of experience. I mean, it's so authentic to get advice from a mom who's, you know, doesn't have just a (laughs) (laughs) one-year-old telling you how to parent or like, you know, like Bonnie and I waiting to start this podcast until we each had eight and a half kids. We were both pregnant with our ninth when we started podcasting. Like, okay, maybe there's a little bit of weight to what we say about parenting because we've done it. And that's exactly like the point where you're coming from. You had a lot of experience parenting and you were getting success and other people were asking you about your success. So I I just love that, that you added, you started training from a position already of authority. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think it definitely helped to have the experience. And like I said, like I had, like Bonnie was talking about in the early days, like we, we had, like when we first started homeschooling 10 years ago, 12 years ago, bring, we would bring in parenting, like experts and like read books and have discussions. And like, as a community, I was trying to bring together people like to study parent because parenting and individually I was studying it and going to retreats and stuff. So it's fun now to like see where that landed me 16 years into the adventure. Yeah. And then dissect it and, and just like take it from that place. It's it's been really awesome and fascinating. And, and I've seen a lot of failures, right? Like places where I'm like, Ooh, that didn't work so great, but also just like, Hey, that I am able to go back and be like, that is, I think one of the, for instance, just all of the time we had together as with, as a family and the time we connected, I'm like, in it, like without me really realizing it, that created some chain reactions that 
so grateful for. But now I can go back and say, okay, I got lucky and it just happened. I mean, I studied it and I tried my best, but like I can now go, go, now go back and say like, these were the key pivotal times in my family. And then it, I'm support, like I can find research. It's like, oh, here's also academia saying this is what works, you know, and look, I just accidentally did it. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then teach it right from that place of like, okay, here's why, here's what worked. Here's didn't work. Here's my, like, I'm being really authentic and like vulnerable and like being honest and here's how science supports it. And here's some terms to put it together. And here's how you can not have to wait 16 years, right. To like, have it. And it wasn't that like, it, yeah. it wasn't working until it was 16 years. It was just 16 years till I understood maybe that with the clarity that I wish I would have had earlier. Right. If someone mm -hmm. had been like, can you like, let's talk about the difference between corrective parenting and connective parenting and why discipline doesn't work the way you think it works. I'm like, that would have been so, so awesome, but it all happens the way it's supposed to happen. So now <laughs> I get to just teach other people. Yeah. Well, I just have to say from a personal standpoint that, you know, not every mother um, understands what intentional parenting is and even knows to seek that out as, as a young, inexperienced mom. And I think it took me many years before I realized, wait a minute, becoming a good mom is not something that's just going to fall into my lap once I have a 16-year-old. I'll be like, well, I've been doing this for 16 years. I know what I'm doing. No, but you're talking about going out and finding the experts to learn from and reading the books and putting these things into practice and trying and failing and trying. But like I have a, I have a friend who's always talking about parenting being kind of like, like running a business, right? You're running your household. And I, I just think that, yes, if we want our parenting skills to get better, we have to look at this like a job. We have to, we have to try and we have to train and we have to put things into practice. And when they don't work, go back to the drawing word board and figure it out again. So I love, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's that totally true. Like you have to be super intentional. I remember like walking in when my, he's now the same guy who gave himself a perm. Well, had his friend give him a perm and him, him <laughs> being a three-year-old and he had gotten into like our Costco size baby powder. <laughs> and like, I had been busy and not very intentional that day. And he had like, he and his two-year-old brother had like made our playroom look like a snow, snow house. <laughs> like they were snowmen, everything like our, we had just gotten a Gabe cube and that was like a square snowball and like everything was just white. It was a total disaster. And, and I think that was one of the moments and I probably most moms have some moment where they're like, oh my gosh, like I got to wake up. I got to like do something different. Like this isn't cause I flipped out. Right. Like I yelled and I was so mad and fresh. I mean, it was a, it was a disaster. I mean, oh my gosh, I wish I had taken pictures. I wish I'd been in the right mind to like enjoy the, enjoy the scene for a second instead of just being like, oh my gosh, this is six hours of work now, you know, every toy, everything. Um, but for me, that was one of those wake up moments. Like, holy cow, like I can't flip out. Like I can't, this isn't going to work. You know what I mean? Like I've got to do something different. And, um, and got really intentional. And I think got like what your friends are like, I realized this is a job. I'm not just going to like naturally show up and be patient with my child. And they're going to keep making big messes. You know, that's my like baby powder blizzard. I call it the baby powder blizzard. Like we all have that moment, right? Or like, Hey, I gotta, I gotta get a little bit like more intentional about how I'm going to think about this. Cause I think we think as like young girls, we're just going to figure it out. Like it's just going to all work out beautifully and no problem. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that goes beyond just, you know, young girls. I, I think there's a lot of parents who, well, I don't know, something my husband and I sort of um, get a little frustrated when people say to us is, oh, you're so lucky you have mm. such good kids. And we just, we just want to tell them, 
Well, it's not luck. We're being intentional about what we do. And that's why our kids are the way right. they are. <laughs> so I love what you're saying yeah. about intention. I know. I remember when I was homeschooling. People, I can never do that. I'm just not patient enough, you know, or something. And I'm like, it doesn't, the patience doesn't come before it comes as a result <laughs> of, you know. When people tell me that, oh, you must have the patience of Job, I say, absolutely not, but I will when I'm done. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> By the time they're all gone, I'm going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers yes. crossed. Yeah, I love that. It's just so true. So let's go back to that time when you sort of came to that moment and um, talk to us a little bit more about what did you struggle with most as a younger mom and exactly what, what did you do to overcome it? Um, I think the the biggest, well, some of the biggest things just overwhelm, just feeling like I had... Because I had um, my, well, all six of mine are in eight years. Ooh, so it was wait. just like super tight, right? <laughs> like super tight. And so I think just the chaos, managing the chaos and and I think getting wrapped up in my kids' behavior, thinking that meant something about them or about me, overreacting to thinking like that story I just said, you know, with the baby power blizzard, like thinking that was a, a bigger problem than it really was. You know what I mean? Like it's just so easy as a young mom to be tired and to like not be thinking straight and to make so much more out of things that if we just could step back from, we would realize, oh, that's, that's really not as big of a deal. But I, I just got sucked into all of that. I mean, sleep deprivation, feeling like you never had a moment, right. To, to really take care of yourself because you were always on duty. And I, and yes, my husband was amazing, but they have diff, they had different responsibilities, right? And so just never feeling like I was completely offloaded of all of that. Even if we were out of town, I was thinking about the kids in a different way I felt. So um, whether that was true or not, I don't know. But just I think just overwhelm and also just not knowing what else to do. Like I look back before I got super intentional about learning about parenting and just like the only thing I knew was to react with like correction, right. To get frustrated or to, or if I wasn't frustrated, I, I felt like I needed to do something about it in a way that, you know, looked a lot like a consequence all of the time, you know, and not really knowing anything else. So maybe just confusion and doubt, you know, and then feeling bad, like that cycle, right. Of like, I don't know what to do. I did something. Oh, maybe that wasn't the right thing. Oh, shoot. You know, repeat, 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 you know, and think feeling kind of stuck. Yeah, I definitely think a lot of moms, most moms can relate, relate to that feeling. So give us, give us a hint. What did you do to overcome this? Well, it's funny that you, um, you guys were saying that your friend says like parenting is like a full-time job. Cause I feel like there was that moment when I completely <laughs> lost my lost my cool with my kids at the, and that was just one of many, right. Where I totally lost it. Um, but there was that, that was one of the defining moments for me where I like, I just decided I was gonna, wasn't gonna stop until I figured this out. So it was, it was a decision to, to get my hand on every book I could possibly get, ask any mom I knew that was doing a good, that I felt like had good kids that were obeying or listening or something. And you know, just trying to stay in a place where I could receive any goodness that would come my way, any inspiration. And I don't know, it, it felt like, to be honest, I go back and I remember for years just not feeling like I was making, even with all the study, not making the progress I thought. I remember thinking, my voice could just be softer and kinder. <laughs> that would be the solution, you know? Like, it's just my voice. I need to speak in a kinder tone but not realizing that it, there was more to it than that, you know? So 
I think it was just consistency that got me out of it. Like to not like getting to a place where I wasn't letting myself be defined by my failures and realizing I was doing the best I could when I remember when I when I really got clear like I'm doing the very best I could because I would never do anything but love my kids and be kind and love you know nice and patient so in that moment I must not have been able to and how can I get curious about that that really started helping me be more gentle with myself and I think when we're more gentle with ourselves we actually can learn and grow and I think when we beat ourselves up when and moms do that a lot we beat ourselves up and we think it's helpful and when I realized that's not helpful, like that's not helping me, it's not helping my kids. Like I, I believe that's, that was one of the big, biggest things that helped me, you know, is to just yeah. be kind to myself first. <laughs> that is so powerful. Like, I think we could end the podcast right here and give, that would give mom t- mom's total food for thought enough to help them become the greater version of themselves. That That is so powerful. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And I love two things that you, you talked about and it, it it's, I could totally tell you've had that life coach training because it's the life coach vocabulary, right? Um, one saying you, that you're staying curious about what the issue is, right? Like, okay, so what, so I do love my children when, when I'm capable of it, I speak in this kind, gentle tone. Why am I not capable of it right now? What has happened? What have I allowed to, you know, myself to think or feel or whatever that's me in this place where all I can do is yell, you know, so instead of blaming yourself, you're just saying, this isn't me, let's figure out the problem, you know, and also that, um, that you're talking about um, asking yourself why, why this is a problem, right? I just think that that is so powerful that, you know, as young moms, I think most of us are like, there's a mess, freak out, kids aren't listening, freak out, you know, like anything that doesn't go along with our, you know, preconceived notions of what parenting should look like is like cause to freak out. But why, why don't we just stop and say, well, is it really a problem? Is it really going to matter in five years? Is it really going to matter tomorrow? Is it, you know, just to break it down and ask all these questions, like you say, to be gentle with yourself. I love that thought. It's so, so beautiful. I love, I love like when I'm helping remind, when I'm being trying to remember to be gentle with myself or when I'm helping a mom try to be gentle with herself, just adding, you know, and that's okay at the end. Like, it's okay. I'm frustrated. It's okay that the kids made a mess. Like just in the moment to just stop resisting and be like, let's just like, what's like, here's what happened. What are my options? Like from such a kind, neutral place, I think just, I don't know. It's a helpful, just a helpful mindset to be in instead of like, you're saying like a freak out, like this isn't okay. And to remember, I love saying this to moms too, like behavior is just information. Like we, we have all of this meaning about it, but if it's just information, then we get to really, like it's information that something's going on with that child, right? That they would hit, they, they would elbow their sister. That happened in our house last week. <laughs> sister elbowed the other one. You know, like it is like, that means nothing about her. It's just information. It's telling me that something's off, right? And we so often think that it means something about them, and it means something about us, but it's like, it's just, it's just communication. It's just a way for them to communicate because they can't always communicate what's going on, how they're feeling. Right. So sometimes it just comes out in behavior. And so it's like, it's our job to decipher that. And if we think about it, we do that too. You know, sometimes we wake up and we're really irritated or whatever. We can't even maybe always articulate why. Um, so our kids do that too sometimes. And so I just love saying it's just information. Like it's not a problem. It's just an opportunity to to find out more about your kids. So that's awesome. That sounds totally like what we were talking about on our episode with um 
about temper tantrums, kids yeah. and temper tantrums. <laughs> yeah, it's just information. So so I wanted you to ask you to go a little bit in depth on um, that steer model that you teach to just kind of open listeners' minds up to to that model of, of how to break yeah, down a problem. Yeah, seriously one of the most powerful tools I've ever applied in my own life or taught to moms, but just this idea that we can see how the world works. So it starts with, and try to like picture this since I know no one can see like any visuals, but it, it's at STEER, but it's spelled S-T-E-A-R. So it's an acronym and it doesn't spell it correctly. So forgive me, but um, the- yeah, we'll, we'll spell that out in the okay, show notes okay, for sure. Great. Cause it's pretty simple, but you know, sometimes it's nice to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up in Montana, steer for me is like uh, the cow with right. horns. <laughs> yeah. The cow with horns. <laughs> but like a steering wheel is kind of how I think about it. Like it can steer your th- thoughts for better or worse or whatever. And so, um, so S is situation and it's just the facts happening in our life. It's just really the things that we could take a picture of or do a recording of and get you know, a hundred people to all agree. So that's why it's super helpful. Like even things like moms will say, my kids are throwing a tantrum and I'm like, okay, well, let's get specific. What, it, what, like, tell me exactly what that looks like. Because for one mom, a tantrum is not the same as another mom. Right. So we couldn't all agree because if your child is having, you know, you know, you get what I'm saying. Like, right. There's a spectrum of what a tantrum is for oh, yeah. one mom. It's like, they said no and turned their back on me. And I'm like, they're having a tantrum, you know, and another mom, it's like, they're flailing on the ground. And so it's good to like, and even from kid to kid, a tantrum looks totally, different. Totally, right? A tantrum can be so different. And so sometimes we think we're just saying the news, like my kid had a tantrum. We think everyone should just agree with us or know what we are saying, or we have this judgment, right? There's so much baked into what that means. And so getting really just factual about it and be like, if you can't get a hundred people to all agree, then it's not a fact, right? So you have to dial it down and kind of get a little bit more boring, no adjectives, no um, meaning. So that's what the situation is. And it just helps us see things as, well, the the goal really is to just see things as neutral, right? To just see things as like, this is what's happening. And then I get to make a decision about how I want to think and feel about it. So that's the exercise of that is just to, to pull apart the facts. And then you have your thought about it scientists say there's like 30 to 60,000 thoughts going on in our brain every day, which is a ridiculous amount. So obviously we're not like purposely thinking all those thoughts, but we, we definitely attach on to certain ones. And so we have something happen like a tantrum, right? A child laying on the ground with their arms, you know, moving. And we're like, that's a, you know, my child's having a tantrum and that's, you know, they shouldn't be. So we have this thought about it. And then that makes us feel a certain way. So the next one would be the the emotions that we have, the emotional response that comes from the thought. And the the thought probably if they're having a tantrum and that, you know, they shouldn't be, it's gonna feel like frustrated or irritated. So we can see how we start this like chain reaction. And then all the actions that are driven or kind of like come as a result of that emotion, they're all flavored with that emotion. So if I'm irritated or frustrated or upset, even if I go in and I'm using what I think is a kind voice or being calm in my body, that emotion is still there and people can feel it, especially kids. I think they're like amazing at feeling our feelings, you know, like being able to pick up on it. And so all of those, those actions are flavored or seasoned. I feel like that's just a nice way to describe it. Like with that, whether we like it or not. 
And then we get to this end result. So the R is for result. So situation is the S is situation. T is for thought, the thought we choose to attach to it. So even though there's lots of thoughts, whatever we decide, you know, we're going to actually put some um, weight in. And then we have an emotional response that starts to fuel our actions. And then we have a result. So if our thought was they shouldn't be having a tantrum, we feel frustrated. And then we go ask them, we carry them out of the room and we tell them they shouldn't have a tantrum. They're way too old for this. The result is that most likely we're helping them know that they, you know, something's not okay with them and we're disconnecting from them. And we're having this result where instead of getting to where we maybe want to be with our children, where we have influence or we can actually help them see a better way to respond. We're actually losing influence and we're, um, we're really not getting where we want to be because you can't get a positive result from a negative emotion, even though we totally think we can. I, I used to totally think I could be frustrated and still get the child to like change. They might like be quiet or, or like play the, play the game with me and go to timeout and be quiet, but it's usually just because they want to, you know, get out of the consequence as quick as possible, not because they're truly like have a change of heart, like I'll never throw a tantrum again. And if they're little, obviously, you know, they're not thinking that clearly, but if it was like an older child that was throwing a tantrum, they're probably more like just bothered by feeling like something's wrong with them, you know, and moms let me know. Yeah. So that's interesting that you say it's almost like this is the hard work of finding the solution and, and fixing it or finding the, the solution to the problem and fixing it. And both parents and kids tend to default to the easy solution, which is like, yeah, yeah, yeah I won't do it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and then, and then it's just a cycle, but nobody's really fixing yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it as an adult, like if someone comes and scolds us or lets us know that something's like not okay, you know, um, even if it's in a kind way, the reaction we have, we might like, like, just like you said, be like, oh, okay, thanks. You know, but it's not really like, it's not tapping into our inner greatness or who we are inside, if that makes sense. It's that person's not helping us recognize you can do better than this. Like, I know this isn't you, you know. There's always a little bit of shame involved, right? With that. Correction. There is. And I, yeah. And I don't think when you shame, when anybody, even if it's, it's, and I don't think moms intentionally are trying to shame or guilt their children at all, but it's just like, it's the kind of the inevitable side effect of telling somebody they shouldn't be doing something instead of saying like, Hey, I know you're upset. I can tell you're upset. You know, I'll help you. And, and instead of having this, like communicating, like all emotions are okay, but not all behaviors, you know what I mean? But like, you're totally fine. You can feel this way. And I'm going to be here with you and help be your coach or your guide. You know what I mean? And help you through this because they obviously aren't able to do it on their own. Yeah. So that's a really different way of going into like a tantrum or misbehavior versus like, there's something wrong with you. This is the problem. You need to fix it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so then let's start at the beginning. If a parent comes to you, what is the problem that you see most often? And what's the, what's the first thing you have them do? Like what, what is, what is a very bare bones, you know, step one when you start working with somebody? So moms usually come because they're feeling totally frustrated and stuck and they don't, they're like either yelling at their kids or they're, a lot of them are yelling, but if they're not yelling, they're, they're just constantly irritated, you know, or annoyed or frustrated and they're not, they're not getting their kids to listen. So that's, a, if they're not, either they're saying they're not, their kids aren't listening or they're not acting the way they want to, they're yelling. So that's normally why moms come. They just want to try something different. And I love it because they're so aware and they so, they want it, you know? 
they want something different. They just don't know. The first thing I teach them is just the difference between corrective parenting and connective for a lot of moms, just to get the awareness of like, there's another way. Mm-hmm. I, there's, there's a way that I can lean into the situation, connect with them and get the result I want, which I think as moms, even though we want our kids to listen and we want them to obey, I think what we really want is we want them to be happy. We want them to fulfill their mission and their purpose and like live this amazing, beautiful life, which is so much bigger than just getting them to like put on their shoes or make their bed or come when called. Right. And so the beautiful thing is with connective parenting, you get both because you, you have this relationship where you're really helping them see who they are because you're seeing it, you know, because when we're going in, this is a problem needs to be fixed. We're not really seeing their potential, their greatness, their capacity. We're really trying, kind of being a little bit, and not because we're meaning to, but we're really able to just not able, but our brains like focus on what we tell them to focus on. So we're just seeing a lot of evidence to prove that like, yeah, they are whatever, whatever, whatever we're feeling about them. So when we're coming in with connection, we're just leaning into, hey, I, there's nothing wrong with them. I'm just here to help them, you know, fulfill their potential. It's kind of, it's kind of like how Michelangelo, I don't know if you've ever read about how he carved the David and how he's like, the David was already in the stone and I was just oh, yeah. chipping away to reveal him. You know, as moms, if we can go in and be in that same mindset, you know, Mike, and remember in the moment, even when they're throwing a tantrum, even when they're at their worst, it's like, this isn't who they are. This is just information that they're off, that we're not connected, or maybe they're had a hard day with, a, you know, something happened. And this is just information for me to kind of decipher and help figure it out because they're confused about it, but I can help, you know, step in. Then I think we can see them as, oh, they're just the David inside of there. And I'm just chipping away the stone. Yeah. I want to help and teach and train and inspire them, but I don't lose sight of who they really are through the whole thing and we can stay connected. Okay. And I think that's, that's huge, you know, for moms. Okay. Yeah. That, that is really cool. So tell us like, what does that look like? Your, your kid, you're having a hard time seeing the David or like, what does it look like? How do you connect with your kid? Um, there's a lot of things. It depends on what the mom's doing, but I always, I teach them the steer model, which I just explained because that helps them see that like, the, it helps them just process kind of what is going on in, with them when they're showing up for their kids and not seeing the greatness in them, right? So we definitely work on that and processing the situations using the STEER model, how they are now and how they want to be. And then just one of the, the first tools I teach them is, it's called, I call it listen and learn. So anytime you're feeling frustrated and you want to like go in and correct, and you're like, and you want to ask 20 times, I say, you can only ask twice. The first time you ask and they don't respond, maybe they didn't hear you or they were distracted or whatever, give them the benefit of the doubt. The second time, if you go close enough and you make sure they didn't just not hear you um, and they don't respond, there's something else going on. So I tell them at that point, don't ask anymore. Like that, like just stop and now listen and learn. So lean in, instead of leaning out is one thing I say as well. I say, lean in. Now I want you to listen to what's going on. I want you to ask them a question from a kind, like if, and they have to be in a place where they're not judgy and mad, right? Or it's going to come across, but if they can be like in a neutral place and be like, what's like, tell me what's going on. Why aren't you listening? What's going on? You know, how are you, how are you doing today? Like, I'm just curious what's going on, you know, and they can listen. Sometimes they just sit there and the kid doesn't say anything, but they're just, I can, 
they, I want them to communicate with empathy and understanding. So I love encouraging them if the child does or doesn't say something back either way, they can be like, I can tell you're really upset or I can tell you're just really not listening. Like I can tell you're really distracted or you're really focused on stuff. And so leaning in and then listening and trying to understand. And I had a mom one time I told her this too, and she was like so mad that her children weren't listening. So the next day she went and did this, listen and learn. And she came back and she said, oh my gosh. So my daughter, I asked her twice and I, I took your advice and I didn't ask her again. So I asked my daughter, why aren't you listening to me? And her daughter's like, because mom, you never listened to me. <laughs> you know, and she said, I had never, it, first of all, she's like, never it occurred to me to ask her why she wasn't listening to me. It was from a good, calm place, you know, not a mad place. And then she said, and she was totally right. I don't ever listen to her. I'm not sensitive to what's going on with her, you know? And, and so it, it's even just something that simple, just like listening and learning instead of going and asking and asking and asking and correcting. So that's one of the first kind of go-to tools I normally teach moms just to kind of start pausing that corrective mindset we have, just ask, 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 and kind of switch it up. That is so, so powerful. And, you know, I have to say that I have just recently started, you know, exploring a little bit the feelings that are going on in my house, like, um, like you say, and, and to start listening and paying better attention rather than just ordering around. And I'm realizing a couple of things. One, I'm realizing that I tend to um, act kind of like a toddler myself when things aren't going my way. <laughs> so instead of like being the adult, which I want to be, you know, I learned this from Jody Moore too. She's always talking about like, who's the adult in the situation kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I start melting down and screaming and yelling and bossing people around just like a four-year-old, you know? And then I realized that I'm, I'm trying to make my kids, I'm trying to control my kids almost as if they're objects. Like I would never treat, you know, my adult best friend the way I treat my kids sometimes because my friend would not be my friend if I was yelling at her and telling her what to do all the time. And if, and if I did ask her for a favor and she didn't do it, I would, I would probe, you know, like you're saying, I would listen and I would be like, oh, is something the matter? Is something going wrong? Are you not feeling good? Or, you know, instead of, I asked you to do me this favor and you're not, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like just look at this parenting paradigm so differently than, than how I always thought it would be just me here barking out orders and kids obeying, yeah. <laughs> and like being seen and not heard, you know? So it's just such a huge paradigm shift. So that leads me to um, one of our last questions here is I want to ask you a little bit about what I heard. So I, I listened to Andy speak in person a couple months ago, and this is what kind of uh, started me looking into my own parenting paradigm shift, as I'm saying. But uh, uh, two words that I love that you said, that you talked about us that night, um, that you used with your children, and it was to energize greatness. And you kind of mentioned that earlier. Can you explain what that means and how that affects your parenting decisions? Yeah. So um, this has been a huge realization to just realize what what I'm putting my energy into. And I've heard for years and years where your energy goes, it grows and all of those. But like in the parenting paradigm, I just got really clear on this about how, well, he, but a little backstory is I was sitting in this marriage class and the instructor came in and I can't, I think, I think the topic was anger management or something with our spouse or something. And he came in and he's like, I just have to tell everybody I had this really great success story over the weekend. My wife, you know, she came to me really upset and she said, we have to talk. And he's like, I know what that means, right? That means she's going to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. And we're going to have this really intense conversation. And usually I get really angry and upset, but I didn't. I didn't get angry and upset. And I just listened to it all. And for some reason, as he was telling us this story, I thought, 
it is so fascinating as a society how accustomed and how comfortable we are to doing that, to lecturing, to like making sure someone knows like all the things that are all the problems that we're having with them and all the things we want them to change. But like if we were to sit down and actually I raised my hand and said this in the class because it was so present for me. Um, and I said, what would happen if your wife said, honey, I want to sit down and talk to you. And for 30 minutes, you know, because that's how long he said it like went, the other conversation about all the things, you know, ener- and I would call that energizing all the problems, right? And she sat down and she had this whole list and she was like super energetic and like really intense and her phone was put away. And she was, she said, I just want to tell you all of the things that are so great about you and all the things that shows me about you. And I just loved the thought that that is something we can do. And so I had read about this concept in a book and it started to apply it in my home. And I just kind of kept upping it and playing around with what it could look like and how we could do it. And it was interesting because um, it's not something that we're really comfortable with. Like being like, we'll say good job or like, thanks so much or whatever. But usually that's attached to uh event, not necessarily to the person. And it's usually just really light and not very, if you think about how energetic we get, if we've ever had to like have one of those talks with our spouse or we lecture our kids about how they shouldn't be doing this and this, how intense we are, you know, how we are just like a hundred percent present there and how contrast, like if we contrast that with how we deliver praise and I don't really love the word praise, but how we deliver, you know, hey, thank you for doing this or good job or whatever. The energy, if we were like rating it on a scale, would be usually so much lower. So I started playing around with what would happen if we really got like 100% energized and really focused and really present around the things that were working. And we attached it to their characteristic and a characteristic about them. So hey, thank you. And and this isn't five, you know, long, just 30 minute conversations like he was saying with his wife like that, but we could have those, but, you know, just in the moment with, with lots of kids, just to be able to say, instead of saying, hey, thanks for clearing your plate, it's really simple to just make it something a more, like what I would call energized greatness. I actually call it noticing, noticing their greatness, igniting the greatness, but the, I just use the word noticing. So instead of just praising or thinking them, I, I use noticing and I say, hey, just now I saw you clear your plate. That totally shows me how responsible you are or how respectful you are, whatever about them, right? So like you're respectful, you're so respectful of our rules. You're a really respectful person or you're really responsible. And instead of attaching it to the event, now it's attached to them and it collects evidence. Like, look how great you are. Like I see it and you might not see it, but like, let me show it to you so that we can keep helping you see it and helping you. It it helps both ways. I feel like it makes me just continue to see how amazing they are and I have more evidence to support that. So in the time where they're not acting, maybe how I wish they would, I'm like, but that's not who they are because I have all of this evidence. So it helps me and it helps them, I think as well. So I just, I love this switch, but I will say when I first started doing it, my kids didn't know what the heck I was. They thought I was like trying to, they're like, mom, what do you want? You know, cause they, cause it's not, it, they just thought there was something I was trying to get. Right. Like, cause I usually I was, you know, are you buttering me up to try to get me to do this or whatever? And it just felt awkward a little bit. So I, and I thought that was so interesting how my kids responded, you know, how we are in a society. I'm like, isn't that so interesting mm-hmm. that we are so comfortable giving a five minute lecture about what didn't work, but to give a five minute lecture about what did work, 
you know, I don't know if you'd call it lecture still, but you know, like if we just flipped it, like the other side of the coin, people are just, they're not, we're not used to it. And so I kind of just want to change that. I want to make that a normal thing where we just get into the habit of, of that. And it, and we're attaching it to the kids person, like who they are. Cause if we just attach it to like, Oh, that one time I did clear my plate, I was good then, but I'm not now. You know what I mean? It's like, no, you are responsible. You know, you are respectful. I was, I just had to share that after I heard you say that, um, I, I like went home and really focused on it for a week or so. And I have to say that was one of the hardest weeks of parenting ever. Cause I'm like, how do I find the greatness in my six-year-old who all he does is wax people all day long. And like, and I realized that what I was doing was I was completely breaking apart the entire structure of my parenting and my household. Like that's why it was so painful. It was really, really painful those first couple of days. It was like, I almost gave myself a headache because it was like hyper-focusing every interaction. Like where can I find good? Where can I, because I was so bad at finding, you know, I was so good at finding bad. Um, but then I realized that after a week or so of doing this and I tried to have, you know, some grace with myself that it really did get easier and it got easier because there was more good to find. Mm -hmm. Then my kids were all of a sudden wanting to behave right way. And I thought, well, what do you know? (laughs) Surprise that when I don't focus on everything they're doing wrong, they want to give me more evidence of doing good. So that, that's my personal it experience. Really it does really work. does work. And I it's think amazing. your brain just sees more, like we really do filter out stuff, you know? So we practice, not only do we just, it probably feeds itself. I totally believe that. But we also just are able to to see more of it, see more of the greatness that may have already been happening that we couldn't even notice before, you know? So. Yeah, I, I totally think kids live up to your expectations for them. And when you expect good, then that's going to happen. I, I think maybe that's another way of saying the same thing mm-hmm. you're saying. So I think everybody in our audience is probably nodding their head and wanting more of this in their house than in their <laughs> life. So can you tell us, um, tell our audience um, if they want to learn more or get started with you, where, where should they go? What, how can yeah, they find There's it? a couple of ways I have um, a free Facebook group that I do challenges in, or I go in and do lives in. So that's just a totally free resource. It's the, the it's, if they Google or go to Facebook and just type in this mama life, I think it says free community. They can join that. Um, my website has information on it too. And then I have a, for people who want more, they, there's a membership program where they, they get to continue to like deep dive and we coach every week or, or more even sometimes. And we have a Facebook group for that too, for people who are like really just really ready to go all in and, and really transition from a corrective default to a connective default method of, and really like learn new tools. We kind of have to replace it. So those are kind of the basic ways that people can find out more and dive in however they want to. Oh, this mama life. And it's M O M M A. I know there's different ways to spell mama since that's not technically a real word, but yeah, this mama life. Um, is what I am in there on Instagram too. So yeah, they can go and I try to post, I try to post regularly in there and just share, share everything I can about how to show up the way we want to and connect with our kids and just enjoy this whole process, not just get through it. Right. We can really enjoy this motherhood process. And I think a lot of us get where we feel like, Hey, another day, hopefully the kids, you know, it's so contingent on the kids are going to be in a good mood. Everybody going to cooperate and it doesn't have to be, you know, we can just always, um, be able to not, you know, we're ups and downs, we're human beings. So, you know, that's, that's it. But, um, yeah. but make, it makes it really a fun adventure, you know, where we can even enjoy the ups and downs and all of it and just 
be here for the ride. Yeah, I was really enjoying finding empowerment in your Instagram story that you did on frustration. To oh, fulfillment. good. I'm so really glad. Cool. Yeah, we will include links to all of Andy's resources in the show notes. And thank you. We just want to thank you so much for being here, Andy. You have sparked so much curiosity, I know, for us and for our listeners. So we can't wait to learn more and to put this into practice in our life. I'm excited. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a written review on iTunes. If you have any questions or ideas for future episodes, you can reach us at outnumberthepodcast at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at outnumberthepodcast. See you next week. See you next week.